on, DJ Nation. Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Masters. Hello, friends. I love this week. It's going to be so good. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambley. Tyler, what is up? Are you ready? Oh, I'm pumped. Fired up, Kenny. And I thought you were going to say everybody's favorite Canadian, but everyone's favorite Canadian right now is those that had the Corey Connors winning ticket at the Valero Texas Open. Incredible stuff. Two-time winner now on tour, two-time winner at the Bolero Texas Open. And it's the first time, I believe, in PGA history that we had three Canadians win, three different Canadians win an event in the same season. And a lot of time left to go. I know you'll talk about it in a sec. A lot of our, our combination, Kenny, we got the Koreans and Canadian winners. So we'll talk about that before we get into the show. We're fired up for it. But before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by prizepicks.com. If you haven't yet done so, go over to prizepicks.com, use promo code MMN, Get yourself 100% deposit bonus up to your first 100 bucks. They're going to have a ton of stuff on there this week for the Masters. Always a fun time. My favorite week of the year when it comes to golf, Kenny. I know everyone says that, and there's the back and forth about it, and, you know, which is the favorite major. I do love – I love the U.S. Open. I, I say it every year. I, I switch around to it because it's just so much fun as well. The Open, of course, being able to stay up at night. PGA is for sure gap, 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 the last for me. But this week, just something special about it. The first major of the season. Always a great time, man. Happy to be here with you. Yeah, man. Looking forward to talking about that. But let's talk a little bit about it, Valero. Just a little bit. Corey Connors, again, goes out there, wins again. One of my cash game cornerstones. My fifth cash game cornerstone that has won this season in 20 events. Not bad. The only issue is I only bet two of them. So, so that is, it, it makes me incredibly bitter. Incredibly bitter uh, about that. But still, it's not bad. Uh, jumped out of the slump. Had a winning week this week. Really good. Uh, with the cash game cornerstones. I know I did talk about Sam Stevens uh, a good amount last week as well. And when motherfucker came up clutch, he missed a couple of putts that probably could have won him the event uh, going in there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I watched a, a bit on Sunday. Um, Saturday, I was freaking enthralled by that women's amateur over uh, at Augusta. That was a great watch, uh, you know, with Rose Zhang. Uh, the best uh, best women's amateur in the world, sort of sort of coming back to the field a little bit. Uh, I was I was enthralled with that in the playoff. Uh, you know, with the Korean in second place, I wanted the Korean to win. Uh, it didn't work. That was the most invested I had been in a women's tournament since probably the Solheim Cup a couple of years ago, where I almost got kicked out of that strip club. Uh, <laughs> if you don't remember that story, I was at a strip club uh, in Tampa. Um, yes, I was at a strip club on Sunday at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I, that's me okay uh and so and so we were watching i was i was i was on the stage sitting on the stage and i had my camera i had my phone set up like with my water bottle behind it so i could watch the solheim cup while i was watching titties and all that other stuff in front of me uh and so like first the stripper like kicked over the phone um and then i put it back up and then like the 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 manager came guy and grabbed me on my shoulders. Big dude, bald head, like 6'6", six, six, like 320. Grabbed me on my shoulder. And he's like, what are you doing with your phone? I'm like, dude, I'm watching women's golf. And he looked at the phone and they looked at me as like, that's a first. I guess they thought I was recording the girls on stage. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess they thought I was just recording the girls uh, on stage, but I wasn't. I was watching the fucking Solheim Cup with my titties and ass. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, he was like, that, that, that has never happened before in the history. I guess he's worked there for like 20 years. And like, that had never, ever, ever happened before. Like, <laughs> he said people have tried to make videos. He said he's caught people watching other stuff and same thing, but never women's golf. And hey, 
it was it was great. It was a good watch. And then they had the the drive, chip, and putt. Had another Korean win. The seven to nine year old women's range. Ashley Kim. Uh, my namesake. You're gonna see her probably on the PGA Tour in 2036. Lots of good golf this week. I I, I enjoyed all the golf. And of course, Kepka. Uh, I forgot about that. Kepka winning in Leo. There, there was some good shit this week. There was some good shit. What did you think about the event and all the other stuff that went along with it this weekend? The golf aside for two seconds, I'm still enthralled with what you just basically set up the title. Two girls, two girls, one cup, two girls on stage, two girls, one Solheim cup. Kenny yeah. at the strip club enjoying it. So yeah. I like that one. That is a good classic story. I'm sure you'll have another Heroes Force here for us soon. Being a major, you always bring back the classics. But yeah, Corey Connors getting the job done my notes it's funny you said like just to remember some stuff i was recapping and posting stuff out like sam stevens should have won what felt like three times down the stretch was my notes yeah. and poor patrick rogers my god this guy can uh. never get the job done it's insane feel bad for those that backed him i mean hopefully if they had the each way or a top five or something at least he did hang on to that got solo get a little piece out of it but man sam stevens he almost had a he had a chance at three eagles on yeah. Sunday. He made one. He missed the five footer. He made the nine footers for I think it was for two. And then sorry, a chance at four. I was trying because even on the last hole, if he had him done something with it, very tough on that last hole, not to be expected. But just to say, I mean, the guy was right there in the mix. Could have easily won. I'm sure he thought there was at least a hope when Connors had that shot on the last. But either way, uh, that. And then the only other note I took was about the guys, man, like Hoocher, Ricky, and Benny. Benny on. This is a. Uh, Clicked something on my computer. I apologize. Hopefully didn't mess it up. But yeah, Kuchar, Benny, and Ricky all look back. I don't care what you say. It's enough events now that I've seen it enough times. You know, I talk shit about these guys all the time. But man, these guys look incredible. Kuchar, short game, incredible stuff. It felt like all of those could have dropped. They were all right there. I ended up playing them in one and done. So I was sweating him on my better team up top there. So I was hoping he would do a little bit better. But T3, I think they said it's like 38 Top threes now for Matt Kuchar on the PGA Tour. Just incredible stuff with that. And then, uh, yeah, Ricky, really good stats. I think he was number one in approach on in round four on Sunday or, or up there in the top five and overall in the event as well across the board. So uh, not what he needed to get to the Masters, not what Kuchar needed to get to the Masters. Corey Connors, by the way, just stomped them all. Anyone who had hopes or dreams, it's only you have to win this one to get in. The top 50 stuff's been decided. All that didn't matter anyway. So shout out to Coco, my guy. Canadian yeah. gets the job done. Excited for him. That's awesome stuff. And other than that, Kenny, not much else. I'm just so damn excited to get to the Masters. That yeah, uh, you he, know, go uh, ahead. Court Connors look great. I mean, like the thing yeah. about it is a fairway. He he would just hit his drive and not even look. Just pick up his pick up his tee. Like not even look at the whole round. Yeah. It was about 18 with the pressure. Yeah, Boom. right uh, down and the and middle. He was hitting every green. I mean, it was sick. The guy was uh, on fire. Of course, he couldn't make a pot. Like he could have shot like 62 today. Like, no no worries. It's crazy that he did make some putts, too, though. Like, he yeah, did make yeah. some putts, but he didn't. Yeah. Uh, you're so right, yeah. And then when you're talking about Kuchar, I already have him penciled in $7,800 cash game cornerstone at Heritage. Because if you if you suck, I think he had – this is his eighth top ten at, at Valero without a win. He's had seven top tens at RBC Heritage without a win. I'll be betting him, and I will be putting him in my cash game cornerstones. It's an elevated event, so he's not going to be more than eight grand. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's going to be in that 7K range. So Kuchar already a cash game cornerstone for next week. <laughs> so it's already there. Um, but let, let, let's move on. Let's talk well, about real quick. I, I want to get your Brooks take because you brought it up, and it's a factor because it's going to lean into this week. I know we're going to do some other stuff first. Let's but talk real about quick. Liv. Let's talk about that, Liv, yeah, Liv Orlando. Let's go to it real quick. What What were your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, Munoz didn't help by like sculling tee shots, sculling drives. 50 yards over the green and shit. 
being really his only uh, real competition. But I mean, what do you shoot? 66, 66, 69, or something like that? 65, 65, 69? That's pretty damn good. I know people are going to call it an exhibition, shitty course, but you're competing against other golfers at some point in time. Now, my take on the live golfers this week is I think there's going to be some that are going to be in contention on Sunday, okay? I think there will be some that are in contention on Sunday, but I worry about Sundays for for the live guys, not because of the 54-hole bullshit or anything like that. It's because of the fact that they haven't, there's pressure at live events, but it's not anything remotely close to what you'd seen maybe at the elevated events that we've seen so far and at the masters. So, so not being in these pressure pack moments uh, for so long, I think Sunday could be trouble for some of these little guys. I think one or two of them might be able to go through it and not worry about it. Uh, but you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a fair amount of live guys in the top 20 going into Sunday, how many of them stay in the top 20 on Sunday. That's the question that I'm going to ask that that's what I think is going to happen with these live guys. You'll see them fine first three days, you know, in contention up on top of the leaderboard. And then it Sunday is going to be the tough test for these guys because they haven't really felt that feeling in so long being in contention in a tournament this big, you know what I'm saying? And the thing is like the lift tournaments aren't big, you know, they're just tournaments. Uh, even the elevated events, the other guys like the Roms, the Shefflers, the Warriors, they've all played those events. They've been in that pressure. Uh, the play with the top golfers in the world coming down on Sunday uh, to win you know, millions of dollars and the prestige and the honor that it comes with for winning a PGA Tour event. That's not what Liv is yet. Uh, so that's my take on Liv golfers for this week. I think you can roster them. Um, I don't think I'm going to bet any. Uh, but I think you can roster them. There's going to be value, especially in the low 7K range. In that 7K range, you're going to have to click some of those names. I just worry about them on Sundays. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with the, you know a lot of what you said there. I guess that's one of the things. That one We'll talk to factors when we get into the actual pricing when we go into it. But just a note real quick. like That's the thing you have to remember as well. Someone I was talking with on Twitter just before we hopped on here to record this was like, can't get after a guy like Mito. Even so, Mito's a prime example. He comes T5 at this event, 68, 66, 68. He's been playing incredible golf since going over there. He was playing great on the PGA Tour before or good enough. To, to warrant a $7,200 price tag, which we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. But just to say it is that's what you just said is perfect. You don't, you have to remember that. Like everyone go, Oh, remember the 72nd hole at Southern Hills. Yeah. We all remember it, it was horrible, but at 7,200 in this tournament, he doesn't have to win on Sunday. If he's up in the mix and doing something just fine at 7,200, he's, he's going to be just fine. And even that yeah. week at the BGA championship, he was in the optimal lineup, 6,700 bucks and getting there to the end and not winning it. So it's like that all comes with it. You do have to factor in price and that's going to be the bigger discussion when we get to it later. We have to have the results, of course, to go with it, but the price is what's making us intrigued by some of these live guys like Brooks down at 7,600, Reed 7,300, Mito 7,200, Dustin Johnson 8,800. So we'll get to all that. Good for Brooks getting you know, the monkey off the back, not the monkey, but you know, now getting his second. He's the first two-time winner on live and people have been talking shit since the, the deck documentary came out and all that stuff. He goes and sort of punishes them right away with a W here. Uh, shout out to our guy, Joe, at Tour Picks. I know he bet him, I think, at 40 to 1. There were some others out there on him. But still, just to call it and see it like it is, 65, 65, 68, that's a pretty good week. Munoz started with a 62, then fell off a little bit on the second round. But still, uh, another event. And now they're at least got a warm-up, and we got to see something. It's really going to be interesting this week. Uh, first time seeing it like this. And the math says it, Kenny. There's 17 guys of the now 
I think we're down to 88 with the Aaron Wise WD. And then there's like those 20 guys at the bottom that we're not touching. So the math just says they're going to be in the mix. It will be very intriguing down the stretch to see what happens and see who can hang on, if any, at all to stay up there. And, and what if we get a winner? Right from the lift or how's that going to look? That that would be incre- that would be insane. Almost something oh, yeah. you want to see just to see what would happen. I, at least if you like mayhem, was, like that me. would flip golf upside down on its it, head. It'd be interesting, yeah, but there's it, always it something like it'll be DJ or it'll be Cam. Is like who it would actually be if it was someone, and then you know what's going to happen. Oh well, of course Cam can do it. Look at his course history here. The guy literally won the Open last year. Like that's the only talent they have. We'll have yeah. to listen to another angle, no matter yeah. what happens. I don't know how it's going to work, but funny enough, before Brooks took down live Orlando. That was the other running joke is how bad their, their superstars are and how it's all the old guys winning that were getting the job done on tour over there. So I don't know. It'll be a fun week either way. And we'll talk more about that when we get into the other stuff. I mean, some of the old guys are intriguing, like 6,400 Schwartzel, $6,500 Coke rack. Kevin, I mean, Nott? I'll uh, Kevin, Nott, and we'll see. I know he has a good course history here. I don't know how the fuck, he top 15s this event. Short game, baby. Short yeah, game. I guess that's what it's about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what it's got to be about because his game does not figure <laughs> to me like it should produce the the the, the top finishes that Kevin Nye has had. Now, he's not currently in Brethren, but I don't even know if I'm going to go that low uh, when it comes down to it. Um, anything else before we move on? No, go ahead. You take over. All right. So uh, I had a story time with Kenny, a new one already. It's been saved for months, right? I've been holding it back, but I was on Mayo's pre uh, Custy Award pre-show with Pat and Aaron Bronstetter. It should come out the week after the Masters. And that story that I had just fit too perfectly with one of the categories uh, in the Custy Awards. So I told the story on that show. So I'm not going to repeat it on this one. I'll give you a hint of what it was about. Think. um Ocean's Eleven meets Golden Girls. And like my grandmother is Danny Ocean and Dorothy combined. Like a hybrid. I'll, I'll just I'll just give you give you that little tidbit uh about that. And then go make sure you check out uh the uh the pre-show, uh custody the custody award pre-show should be out right after uh the Masters is over. And then they they just recorded the awards show with Gary and, and uh Jeff and Tim uh today. Uh, so that should be out probably in a couple weeks. I'm my guess. I don't know Pat's schedule, but I would figure he would put the the pre-show before the award show. That would be my guess, right? So, uh, so we're gonna go with um, a story time with Kenny Classic since it's the year anniversary of me having a stroke during the Masters because I shit too hard. You know, basically a near death experience last year. Uh, I didn't even get to see Scheffler's win because you know. I was I was in the hospital. I had a stroke because literally I shit too hard. I was constipated. Not even joking. So make sure like I eat your fiber. Okay. I, like I said before, get your fiber in. Figure out ways. Like I've been the last year, like I've been my 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 shit, my average shit time has probably doubled because because of what happened. Uh definitely taking my time uh, a little bit more. So so in honor of that, I'm gonna go with the story time with Kenny classic my first near-death experience i've had a few i've had a few uh but this is my first one i was 19 years old um i had just come back from college i finished my freshman year of college virginia tech uh meeting up with all my boys from high school and stuff so you know it was a summer it was a nice day 
we decided to go, you know, eat a whole bunch of mushrooms and go to Great Falls Park, which is a local park, uh, you know, in the D.C. area. People go hiking in, stuff like that. It's on cliffs, uh, right by the, right, you know, cliffs drop right into the Potomac River. And so, you know, we eat a whole bunch of mushrooms uh, and we go to uh, the park and we're at the park. And the first thing we see, uh, this is not really related to the story, but it is. The first thing we see is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mennonites. They're like sort of, sort of, uh, what are the Quakers? Who am I thinking of? What's the name of the other Mennonites? Uh, not Amish. They're like, they're, they're like related to Amish people, but like they wear these pink, pa- the women, all the women wear the, like these pink pastel, like long dresses and all the guys wear these blue pastel like shirts and stuff like that. So it's like, they're really colorful people. And so we went there and they have a little volleyball court like there. And there's like dozens of Mennonites running around playing volleyball while we're tripping on the shrooms. And so we just sit there and just like tackle at these Mennonites playing playing volleyball, running around with their pink and pastel clothes all around the place while we're, you know, we're chipping our face off on mushrooms. Anyways, you know, we, we go for a little hike and we get to this one little spot where we're just chilling. We're right on the edge of the cliff, um, you know, you know, smoking joints, you know, whatever, drinking a little bit, eating more mushrooms. Um, and so, you know, there was this like little, little, little ledge that stuck by right oh, oh now i remember underneath where we were sitting was another little ledge that stuck out it was pretty big you know like if i jumped down i wouldn't die and so i was gonna i was i tried to freak my friends out and i was like oh i can't live anymore and i like jumped off or jumped off the ledge and i landed on the little ledge underneath right and so all my friends were like what the fuck and they come down and they're like oh ha, ha, ha. the problem was I did not know how to get back up. I didn't think of that. You know, when you're on mushrooms, you sort of lose your train of thought on certain things that are happening like around you that are important, okay? And so so I'm trying to, there's like no way, I can't climb back up. So like there's this huge, there's about an eight foot gap where the ledge goes and then the ledge goes away and there's a wall behind it that's sort of slanted like a 45 degree angle and then the ledge continues about eight feet away so again i'm on mushrooms can't think being stupid i'm like oh i could just put my left foot on this slanted wall step over and my friend will grab me and pull me back uh, up onto the next ledge well i tried my and again this is at the edge of a cliff uh about 120 foot drop um into the potomac river is where we're at at this point in time um and so i take my i I take my left foot my left foot slips and literally i just start falling down the cliff it's a flat cliff uh like a 90 degree cliff that goes straight up and down and i'm just plummeting to my death basically i'm gonna die there's no way around it now about 40 or 50 feet down this fall there was a little nook that sort of stuck out of the cliff like in a triangle formation almost like a seat okay so i'm you know my back is up against the cliff and i'm tumbling down the cliff tumbling down the cliff with my back and and i land 
right on that seat. So the first thing that hit the ground was my nuts. Number one thing that hit the ground was the nut sack, right? And so like my friends, I don't remember this, but my friends said I made a noise like a dying polar bear, like some type of dying polar bear. That's the noise that they said that I made. Uh, and so, but that stops me. I literally like sit down on it and I, I and I stop free falling. Right. And after the pain of my nuts goes away, I like, you know, I go down in there and check and see, like, to make sure they're still fucking there. I can only feel one at that point in time. So I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out a little bit. Right. And so once I land the trip, you know, the mushroom trip just goes away. You know what I'm saying? All that adrenaline of almost dying, you know, it, it just go, all the drugs in me just faded away. And so I'm sitting there on this little nook with death below me. And I'm like, okay, I can either get picked up by a helicopter and be on the six o'clock news, or I could climb, free climb this 40 foot wall of cliff. And so my dumbass. I was like, I do not want to be on the fucking news. So I get up and I start climbing. I make the climb. I, I don't know how I did it. I make the climb. I climb 40 feet up a rock face. That's 90, you know, it's it's a flat rock face. I, I, I climb it. I make it to the top and I get on there and then I check my nuts again. I found the second nut by the time I got back up, which is the biggest relief that you can imagine. Like, imagine looking for your nuts and you can only find one. Guys, imagine that. It's like the worst fucking feeling in the world, okay? But by the time I got back up, I don't know, like maybe it like moved up to my stomach and then the walk and then the climb I made, it, it dropped back down into the sack. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. So anyways, they call off the helicopter. The helicopter was like on the way. You could like hear it coming. So they call off the helicopter the Rangers come, you know, and like, I'm not hurt somehow, except for my nuts. And that pain is gone and the nut has come back. So I'm good at this fucking point. But, you know, they want to put me on like a back, back stretcher thing and stuff like that. And they really fucked up because like they put me on and they forgot the middle strap. And like, if I was really fucked up and instead of like taking me off, they like lift my back up and like a in like a bridge formation to get the strap and they put it around me. These guys are fucking idiots. But I, I get into, I get into the goddamn fucking uh, ambulance. We have to take, like, I have to ride on the back in a stretcher on a cart while they take one of those four wheelers through to get me to the ambulance, get in the ambulance. By then I'm sort of calm again. And I start tripping again. Right. And so I get into the ambulance and they're playing like crazy trip hop music like techno trip hop like drum and bass type shit like loud like what the fuck is going on so like i get in the i get in the damn ambulance and i'm just grooving out to like tripping out to all this music and the bass the drum and bass it was tight um anyways the story ends up i was fine i i, I didn't die but you know that was the, the the closest i've ever been to dying uh and so that's my story time with kenny uh, the first um near-death experience and of course the latest one was last year uh when i had my stroke all right so we can move on any comments about stories yeah one 
One, when did you ever tell this story? I don't remember. This is supposed you to be don't a remember story? that I've heard. Okay. I don't remember this story ever. So I'll have to <laughs> I check told my it, record. I told it with Brad, I think. Okay. When it I was, was going to say, that yeah. one, this one has slipped my mind. Two, have you ever tried to reenact the sound of a dying polar bear? I'm really curious I don't know, about man. that. What that, what that sounds like. Uh, he, uh, he said it was like, uh, I tried it. Like, he was like, it, that's that's what he, it was something like that. But it that was actually was, it was like a high-pitched half Wookie, Half Wookiee, half polar bear is what the sound I made when I landed like on my nuts. Speaking of polar bear, uh, one time I was eating mushrooms again uh, in Amsterdam when they were legal. Uh, and I went to the zoo, at, at, which is like the biggest zoo in Europe. And it was a national children's holiday. So all these kids got in for free. And me and my friends were tripping ass. And so we went to... Uh, the polar bear exhibit and the the male polar bear just gets on top of the female polar bear and just starts pounding it just hard <laughs> like from the back like slapping that ass and shit like the polar bear just pounding the hell out of the other female polar bear all these children around it was one of the most funniest experiences uh, of my life i mean the mushrooms definitely helped um anyways so so yeah uh that's that was my story time with kenny a little bit what's your second thing you, well, no, that oh, was. No, a, I, that never, was I was wondering if it was actually a high pitched scream, and he just because of the shrooms, he heard the sort of sound you you described there. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what it was, but I can't imagine that would have been too fun hitting that rock like that on the way down. So luckily no. you're here. Well, luckily well the thing okay. is, if I didn't hit the rock, I would have died. Yeah. So yeah, you take it. You, you take. We're, we're all thankful it. that that didn't happen, Kenny. We're, we're happy to have <laughs> I you. I think here. I was 19 years old. So that was like, shit. That was almost. 25 years ago all right so let's go to the listener league lineup winner for this past week for the valero texas open uh it was arites with an established to run uh avatar he had ricky fowler who again with an amazing final round uh 20 percent owned Corey connors uh so he went two guys in a 10k range 19 percent owned of course he was the winner sam Ryder, jesus he had first like uh really nice uh, he was 7,800, only 8% owned. He finished in third place. Sam Stevens, Jesus, this lineup might have won GPPs. Uh, came in second place. He was 4% owned. Patrick Rogers, Jesus, with 2% owned. This guy, this lineup was sick. Tyler Duncan, uh, who finished in um, 58th, was his worst golfer. But he had one, two, three, what? Five and ten. Yeah, this is a really good wow. line. Wow. Wow. So I don't know how you describe their name. Arietes, did you say? Arietes, yeah. Arietti. You, you can't spell Arietes without ETR. Start with that one. So that they, oh, yeah. they got the ETR logo. But in general, I looked it up. Utical won the 555. I'm not sure. I didn't go check the $20 because I had a sweat and it went away. So didn't even bother checking that one out. But 544, I believe, was the winner. 541 was the winner in the 555 and this was 584.5. So I'm not sure what one, like the $5 and the 20, it's always more. Of course, I know this, I'm saying I, I didn't go back and actually check. I it hope out. you put it in a GPP, please. Lord Jesus. I'm assuming, but I wonder too, like just going back to look at it, that's, I'm going to check just real quick here. Cause I already got it up. We can just look at it, but the $5 was won by, Oh, shout out nerdy tenor six twelve. So it didn't quite get the job done there. It would have been fourth or fifth, I guess I should say. And then the $20 was, it would have been sixth place. So uh, 
Shout out to my guy, Ryan, RMSCHR12. Really, really good guy. He came in six there. So he's been on a bit of a heater lately, getting close, but it would have been the same score. I didn't check if it was the same lineup. But yeah, either way, really good lineup. Four guys, super low owned. Makes perfect sense. Ricky and Connors up at the top. One thing we always talk about, Kenny, reason I love lineups like this, and people wonder about roster construction and, you know, more things around that. But just in general, two 10K guys, four 7K. Doesn't touch the six, the eights, or the nines. I don't think I still have it up on my computer just to see it, but if you go back, yes, I do. So if you go back and look, that means you were leaving out guys that people were loving playing this week, but you're, you're leaving out all of the Siwoos, the Chris Kirks, the Coochers, the JJ Spawns, the Ben Griffins, Thomas Dietrichs, all those guys, Brendan Todd, uh, Aaron Rye, you know, those guys were 79, but either way, really good roster construction, really good ownership spread out there and just dusted the field by 34 and a half. So shout out to Arietes. They got the win. See him in the three man this week. And then I saw, I think they already joined the Tournament of Champions League, which is going to be really good this year. On that note, Kenny, you want to talk about two quick things. We'll finish it out. Do you have anything else on Arietes you want to talk about? No? No, you're good. Go ahead. Cool. Lister League. I don't I don't know how much we got up to this past week. I think we were pretty close, right? We might have filled it at the last second. We filled it at the last second. Yeah, we did. That's what I thought. Okay, so good news. Even if we didn't, they were going to hook us up. But 1,500. Going into Lister League this week, it'll be posted out on Twitter tomorrow. You can check me there at Totag and Tambo. Retweet it on the FG Degenerates account. We got a thousand bucks going to first, a hundred dollars going to tenth. So very balanced. And then last place will be double your money. It's the same as always, the five dollar three max. Hopefully we can fill it up. If we do, we'll get it at all the majors. And if we continue to fill these up quickly, maybe even higher. They said there is a possibility we could go up to the next tier. So looking good for that. And then lastly, Kenny, the winners. We did a contest last week. I think we gained a couple hundred followers on Twitter. Not bad, but so solid. Dollar per follower. Dollar per follow, if you want to put it that way. But either way, gave away two Millie Maker winner tickets. Lots of good reviews. Lots of good feedback. Lots of good stuff on the YouTube chat. The winners were G underscore Rich 6 and Coach underscore Cohen 1. Random pick. I guess it pays to have an underscore in your name, though. Both those guys did. Uh, both were very happy. Already got them the money. DraftKings wouldn't do the tickets. So I just sent them 100 bucks on PayPal. Funny enough, both of them also, like, it's random. You pick them, they win. But they both had a pretty good week. G. Rich hit the Corey Connors outright ticket, he showed me. Then he goes and wins this $100 ticket. And then Coach Cohen won a Mega Millie ticket to the 22-22. And then wow. wins this thing as a separator. Like, it was on, I think, in Showdown the last day. So just random both of them are, are having pretty good weeks so some good luck there so shout out to them g rich g underscore rich six and coach underscore cohen one yeah i will say one thing i never asked for this because normally i don't give a fuck uh but this is our biggest show of the year uh so if you can you know the more comments you write on the youtube uh, and the more uh reviews you leave on um itunes or spotify the more visible this podcast is uh, for people just searching golf in general. That's how the algorithms work for YouTube. That's how the algorithms work for iTunes and Spotify. Uh, so if you guys can go out there just this week, I don't give a fuck if you do it again, ever again, maybe just for the majors. That would be cool. Uh, since this is our biggest show, we want it to reach as many people uh, as possible. So again, if you can go in, leave a comment uh, on the YouTube about how shitty my picks are, I don't even care. Uh, you know, that's great. Uh, go ahead and do that. Do that, or uh, but on 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 iTunes or Spotify, leave a good review, five star. That that helps. 
If you can do that for me this week, that'd be very helpful to get this show to reach more people and so we can get more fans and more listeners uh, on a week-to-week basis. All right, quick so let's note get on that: to- it's it's free for free. You talk about, it, I appreciate that. Like that's what we that's what we try and talk about on here. It's free content. Try and get it spread out there. But the numbers last week, we're trying to beat. This is a major. We should smash these numbers. But it's free to hit the like button on YouTube. It's free to leave a review. All these factors, like Kenny said, it really does help us out. But last week, two hundred and twenty-four likes and one hundred and eighty-seven comments. I think we could get 300 likes and we could get 200 plus, 250 plus comments. Try and do it. 300, 300 would be incredible. And then anything else you want to do on top, the reviews help out a ton, like Kenny said. But like you said, we don't ask for it all the time. Usually when we do ask for it, it comes with free giveaways and money and stuff that we just throw in. So I got no problem doing that. We'll always continue to do that. But for this week, that would be awesome. So good explanation, Kenny, talking algorithms after talking nights out and near-death experiences on shrooms. Definitely a great transition. Really good stuff. Uh, one thing I don't understand nowadays is they're making shrooms legal. Like, that shit should never be fucking legal. Like, the way you feel when you're on mushrooms, that shit should be illegal forever. I mean, it's great. I love it, you know, especially in my youth. And I, occasionally, I might still dabble nowadays. But, I mean, like, there's no way that shit should be legal. It's fucking crazy. Anyways, let's go to, uh, let's go, let's go to this week. Let's go to the Masters. Hello, friends. Uh, I'm going to start off with our course description. I mean, everyone knows, of course. But just in case, I'll go over it anyways. Augusta National Golf Club. It's uh, 75.50 this year um, with a little bit of uh, lengthening on 11, 13, and 15. 13 has the uh, the biggest change where it dropped about 40 yards, uh, went back about 40 yards, and now the, 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 the zone where you can hit it is like a five-yard window. It's sick. It's so sick. I don't know how golfers are going <laughs> to – especially golfers that play a fade. I don't know because that, that hole is like a boomerang. Right, that hole is like a boomerang, and if you got to hit it through there, you have to hit a draw. But like, I don't know, it's wild. It's gonna be wild. I still think people are gonna burn the fuck out of it because they, it's a par five. It's only five hundred forty yards. But you know, that was one. That's probably the biggest change that we've seen um, this year. Uh, the par fives are where the majority of the scoring comes from, as they are the four easiest holes in the course. And this one's gonna be a little bit tougher now with thirteen adding that length. Uh, and the six par fours over four hundred fifty yards or where golfers will need to hold on and just try and make par. Uh, there have been a couple of changes since last year, uh, especially on the 11th hole, um, uh, you know, on the 13th hole, just like I was talking about. So I think you know, that's where the big change is going to be. Uh, in the last couple of years, again, 11 uh, has changed, 13 has changed. Um, another big change is that they decided to go old school and eliminated some of the rough that had been added in certain areas over the last decade. Uh, this happened last year. Uh, this could have a big impact as some bailout zones off the tee will now have the short grass, which in turn will make wayward shots go even more wayward. Um, another another thing about adding the short grass and eliminating some rough is that there will be more spin uh, on the ball from these areas, which used to be rough. Uh, the rough actually the rough has actually helped golfers on holes with huge false fronts because the lack of spin kept balls on the greens instead of rolling off. The front of the green with a lot of spin, you know, into a collection area. Uh, this will now be more prevalent, and I think it'll make around around the green play a bit more important uh, than it has been, you know, prior to last year, the last few years, even prior. It's always been important, uh, but you add this factor to it, I mean, it really, really escalates the importance of, of around the green, especially with the weather that we could possibly see uh, this week. I mean, I'm seeing stuff on Saturday with 30, 35 mile per hour gusts. Um, 
Now, off the tee, golfers will see tree-lined fairways with above average width, bunkers and landing areas, and light rough. Fairways are heavily undulated and usually lush. So, you know, even though they'll have some roll, um, it won't be like at the U.S. Open event where, you know, dry conditions can make the ball roll out like 50-plus yards. You're not going to see too much of that, especially with all the rain in the forecast. Um, now, like I was saying, especially now with the heavy rain in the forecast, the fairways could play softer, which will lengthen the course, um, at least for the first, you know, when the rain happens. I think you, you can see it on like Friday and Saturday. Who knows? It's Sunday when we're recording this. So, you know, we got to get more about the weather as the week goes on. Uh, if golfers miss the fairway uh, and hit it into the trees, they're going to have to deal with approach shots from soft pine straw sometimes. Uh, which is always tricky. Water will also be in play on a few holes on the back nine. Uh, on approach shots, golfers are going to see greens that are average, average to above average in size, pretty big, uh, but that is you know misleading. First off, most of the greens slope heavily from back to front, which makes hitting approaches under the hole important. Uh, there are also so many slopes and contours on the greens that they're going to be playing much smaller. Golfers will have small aiming points on approach shots to actually get the ball close for a reasonable birdie putt. Uh, also, because of how firm the greens usually are uh, and, and look like they're going to be, they could be, we'll see. Uh, it just depends on the rain. It, again, makes that correct landing spot even smaller. Now, we'll see how firm these greens are. They're supposed to have rain. We're going to have to pay attention to it as the week goes on. Uh, now, uh, also because of how, uh, now, it, it makes, uh, and now most greens are elevated and are shaped like an upside-down bowl along the edges and have little to no rough surrounding them. So many balls will be left in collection areas around the greens, which are always tough to get it up and down from because of the firmness and usual quickness of these greens. Now, unless the course gets hit by a deluge of rain, they should remain fast and firm, even with wet conditions. Augusta National has some of that sub-air sub uh, you know, machinery for under their greens. Uh, it's one of the top-notch ones in the world uh, under their greens. And I think they started adding some into the fairways, too. I, I'm not sure about that, but I think I've read some stuff about that recently that they have done that as well. Uh, the greens use bent grass. They're going to be fast. Stimulating rating normally of 13 and a half, maybe even more. Um, bunkers and collection areas surround almost every green with water surrounding a few holes. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? It's the one week, man, that especially you talked about. We know it. Everyone says it's going to be a, a common theme, course history. We'll talk about some other stuff with it as we go throughout the tiers, but this is the one we got to consider it more than any other. Obviously, it matters. Not going to say to play Fred Couples or, or uh, Bernard Langer, those guys, but there's a reason those guys still do show up. I know it's been a while since we've actually seen them show up heavily and, and put up some good numbers, but the point being is obviously they know a little bit about the course. There's a guy down the board that I think knows a lot about this course, actually. I'm interested to see what his ownership comes in at this week at just $7,200, Kenny, but I'm sure, or 73, but we'll talk about him later. You might know him, Tiger Woods, but just to say it, like there's, that's the biggest factor, right? You know, you know about approach, you know about around the green game, you know about these pure bank grass greens and these guys that have putted well on them. And typically that ties in to the guys that have the best history. So we'll be looking at that. I think the most interesting thing you said is actually weather seems to be a factor for once. Like it feels like I haven't, I don't remember the last time it's been involved heavily at least at the masters and it does look like it could be pretty tricky so that's something to monitor and keep an eye on i will be on this channel the mayo media network on wednesday with mayo doing the final show i believe at least of the week going through it so uh, that it's his final show i'll definitely be on it but just to say that we'll be in studio 
talking it out once we have more information, the ownership, see how the industry actually goes about the live guys, Tiger Woods, the, the guys coming off the wins in Brooks and Corey Connors. We know Corey Connors, I should say, we'll go there in a minute, but not much else other than that, man. I think that's something to consider. And then I guess just the main thing, I know Mayo's been harping on it. It's just so true, but like there is so many guys you just cross off at the bottom. Like even if they somehow make a cut, the new rule, it's not new anymore, but after COVID and everything, it's, I believe it's top 50 in ties now versus the anyone within 10. So even if these guys somehow make it through, they just never score enough or do anything to be in that pool. You kind of just need to tighten it up here, get the guys you like. And that's something where, you know, everyone always talks about Corey Connors. Everyone fades him every year and he punishes them no matter what the price. You got to find out again this year at 7,600 coming off a win. But if you tighten it up on this year, I guess that'd be my strategy tip for this week. And we tighten it up some, you can do your flyer lineups. Maybe you have a random lineup in the hundred dollar where you play a guy off the board, like a Schwartzel, like you mentioned, just to make everything else fit. You just take a shot. For a million bucks at a hundred dollars, fine. But for the most part, if you tighten it up, that's how you get the leverage on the guy like Corey Connors, where everyone else is fading him, and you decide he's your guy. Not saying what's right or wrong, just saying what what, what people want to do. You want to play him, play a bunch of them if you want to do it that way. But for the most part, with those value plays, it's often tough to get there with these high ownerships. And a guy like Connors might be forty percent owned in the higher dollars, smaller field stuff this week. That's where you have to make a decision. I think it's you know, look at our guy, the Arietis that won the Lister League. He, he showed again, even though a bunch of those 9K guys, Siwoo and those guys, Kuchar and them were in the mix, not required in his lineup to get the top lineup at 584 and a half in that tournament. And in most terms, you saw he was top five, top 10 in some of the biggest tournaments on the sites. So keeping that in mind, Kenny, definitely as we build this week, because you've got Rory, Rom, Scheffler all up at the top at five figures, but very affordable. If you think about 11, one, 10, eight, nobody's pushing 12K here. Like you can easily afford these guys. No problem. Yeah, let's go ahead and start off with these top guys in this 10K range. We got only got three. Now, these are the big three, right, uh, when it comes down to it. If, you, if you're uh, a couple of things, let's start off betting-wise. Is it okay to bet one of these three and just call it a day? I think I that's think a good conversation, at least, because one thing, I don't know about you, and we're going to get to bets at the end, like always, but don't have a big card. Barely have a card, I should say. I have one bet that I'll tell it now. Jason Day, 80-1. to 1 with the top five, took it when he was sort of getting on that hot run. I think he's down to something now at other books. I, I mean, on my book, 30. it's 25, 30 yeah. in places. Like, it was definitely a good number at the time. But again, it's who knows what's actually going to happen. My point is, though, there. you know, I think it was Feinberg who messaged me the other day and said, don't you think the pool for this is pretty tiny on guys that are actually capable of winning this thing? And I know you always see the guys in the mix. Think about the year Tiger won most recently – there was Cantlay for Eagle, Xander for Eagle down the stretch, DJ Brooks, Brooks hitting that tee shot while the Tiger roars. Well, yes, every dude was in the mix. And DJ, I mentioned, had already, you know, has a win here. But my point being, yes, these guys will be in the mix and we expect that. And so maybe you've lumped them into your group. But in general, yeah, like you said, it's pretty tough. And it's definitely a high chance that a guy like Scotty just goes out and wins it again. So uh, I, I think, you know, I'm fine with that this week if you want to just call it a day. Most people don't like to do that. They like to spread it out a little bit. They have some of these futures bets, things like that. So I, if you're asking what people actually do, I don't think as many just hammer a guy and call it a day. That, that's how I would look at it. Now, how about with this? When it comes to DFS, can you fade these three guys? If you, I didn't know if you had a follow-up. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely fade the three of them and try and build some lineups if you think that it's going to you know sort of bear out that way. If you think, you know, again, you go to like, a, let's use this. Like, okay, instead of speed being the second guy in 
to a Rory lineup. We know about his course history. We know about Spieth being in Butler Cabin should have been in there multiple times. But you, you look at him starting a lineup with him and then building down. If you got a guy like Finau that you like, if you if you want to go back to a guy like Sungjae or Hideki or some of these guys, you can get into that balanced build and you should feel really good. I mean, the pricing is still soft enough where you're going to feel good about pretty much any lineup you build, even if you do skip out on live guys or, or skip out on some of the, the Corey Connors chalk or whatever you want to do, you can still build good lineups going off these guys at the top. The thing is though, is that the guys at the top are still very affordable. Like I said, if you just use Rory as an example, 10, six is pretty cheap considering what it could be right. Or, or look, however you want to look at it. Scotty and him are both seven to one at my book. Rory 10-6 is 500 bucks cheaper than Scotty, and you can easily start your lineup with him, and I think many will. Uh, just a note, last year he was 10% at this tournament, and he obviously backdoored it. Him and Morikawa had those bunker shots on the 18th and all that, and Rory got into the mix on Sunday, but he was only 10% here last year. I know some people, I look back, Skyler Hoke, our guy Skyhook DFS on Twitter, posted some stuff about it last year. People were saying, how is Rory 10%? Well, other guys were higher out. Cam Smith was actually 21% last year coming in off the players win in his run that was coming into this stuff. JT with first, I believe it was first year with bones on the bag. I loved it. I thought that would be something around here. He came in at 26% on. He still came eighth. I'm just saying this year, I think we see Rory back up over 20, no problem at 10, six. So it's a decision you got to make because if you do actually look at some of the history, Kenny uh, rates out one of the models, other but some of the history, the last couple of years, at least has been some backdoor stuff where if that doesn't happen, it's a totally different story, but Rory tough to fade right now. When you look at how good he's actually playing and just watching him, it's incredible, man. Well, here's my take on, on the top guys. I think, that, you know, these three guys combined probably take 60% ownership. Probably if you combine their ownership, I would, I would think it would be around 60%. Yeah, however you want to put it. I'd see like Rory, like let's say Rory's 20 to 25. Cause we'll just put a range on it right now. I think Scotty's clearly next in line because yeah, 20, just, 20%. Again, Right. And then it's, it's Rom for me, like Rom was 17% here last year. And I could see where it's similar or even less this yeah. year, just because there is going to so, be a conversation we're about to have in the nine K range. So I, I think, yeah, those two guys and then Rom slightly behind. So, so from a, from a game theory perspective, these guys are going to be 60% of the total projected ownership or total ownership uh, in the field. Okay. If you don't start with these guys and they, you know, they don't finish top five, you're ahead, you know what I'm saying? And it's not like these three guys are Tiger. You know, they all have question marks coming in. You know, Rory, uh, you know, he's never, you know, he hasn't won a major in 10 years. Uh, you know, you got Scheffler, who no one's won back-to-back except Tiger, Jack, and Faldo. Uh, and then you saw his short putts he's missed in the last couple of weeks, maybe getting in his head. I talked about that last week. Um and then you got Ron, who has the worst form out of the three, you know, leading in. And there's question marks for all of them. Uh, I, I have no problem fading this range, uh, just from a game theory perspective, because you're, you're going to be in that smaller group where, where it's 60% of the people who make GDP lineups will have one of these three. You'll be in the 40%, and that's who you're competing against, basically, if those three fall off. And it's possible. Uh, now, for me, I'm playing Rory as my cash game cornerstone. Uh, I, I'm starting him, uh, you know, coming in. He looked good at the, he looked fine at, at the uh, match play. He had that runner up or third place, uh, a couple events before that, um, you know, he's had, I don't know, eight top tens here in the last 10 years or some crazy number. 
uh, like that. Yes, a lot of them has been backdoor, but that's fine with me. Uh, you can backdoor top 10 for me, and that will be just okay for cash. No problem. Uh, who's? How would you rate these guys? And I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating just playing, uh, you know, Rory and cash and then using my 20% that I normally play for my cash plays and then maybe not even playing the other two. I, I haven't made up my mind. I'm not going to play all three. Um, I could just play one uh, or I could play two. I haven't decided yet. I know Rory's my cash game cornerstone. Though. How are you going about this top range? Yeah, I can't support your your case here. And I actually thought you were on the other side of this. I thought, you know, your original take was that you would play maybe three. At least one of these guys in every lineup and just pick your guy. I, I was thinking about there. that, but I think I, I think I switched. I think I, I think no, I changed it's okay to switch. I just mean that yeah. that's where I, I have a tough time doing it because it's, again, when we talk about the guys that can actually win it, like when you asked earlier, can you fade these guys and build some lineup? Sure, that's why you build a portfolio. If you've got one fifty and something like the fifteen dollar millimaker maker this week, I got no problem. Or if you want to be more aggressive because that tournament is just such a large field. I've got no problem. You do want to follow Kenny on this and just say, let's hope. Let's say Scheffler doesn't go back to back and doesn't do enough. Let's say Rom stays off his game 31st withdraw with an illness and 39th. And let's say Rory doesn't get the back door this time. And he had a miscut the year before that. Like anything can happen 21st. I know he's got a bunch of great history here. I, I can see where you're going with it, but I got more of a challenge with that because also I think there's easily, there's easily good lineups that you could build Rom Rory to start off here and have Rory at chalk and Rom as the lower owned of the top three. And then you skip this next range, which we're going to spend more time on because there's a bunch of guys in the 9K range you can make a story for. So a bunch of guys and, in the upper and, 8K range. That and that, that's, that's another reason why, because I love Spieth and I love Cantlay. Right. Uh, I'm going to have a shit ton of them. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm going to start 40% of 40% Spieth, 40% Cantlay, it's going to be tough. I mean, I'm going to have to dredge down because if I'm going to have all play all the three guys up top also with that, I mean, I'm going to have lineups with a couple of 6K guys, you know, and I don't really want that uh, when it comes to GPPs. I mean, I guess it, it could work easily. I mean, it's golf. Who knows what the fuck's really going to happen? Uh, but, I, you know, I don't really want that. Uh, I want to sort of limit my exposure in the 6K range. Uh, and so I, I sort of like starting with two 9K guys uh, here just to, just to get just a little bit more chances uh, yeah, of, I do, I do of, think most people go one of the 10K guys, though. Like, that's what I'm saying. I think most people go like a Rory Speed or a Rory, you know, maybe it's down to JT or Cantley. Rory Cantley could be a popular starter. A Rom Cantley if they want to get different off Rory. Like, I can see that happening more than I can see people doing two 10K guys. And if you go Rom Rory, just a prime example here, you still have almost 7,200 left per golfer. If you even put in, if you can put in one 6K guy that you like, you're bang right back into the middle of the seven Ks. You can go a couple lows and go up even higher. Like you can do a bunch of stuff with that. And again, to your point, are those plays you just talked about great? Let's let's segue there. You can start off in the nine K. There's going to be guys speed. Can't lay. We'll talk some more JT and Smith, those guys there. But just in general, when we get to the eight K range and we're talking Finau, Day, DJ, Cam Young, when you're building these lineups, like I'm talking about with these two 10 K guys or a 10 K upper nine K guy, you are just skipping over that next range where I think we do see popularity. So that's another way to get different in these, in these large field tournaments. So go ahead. Anything else up top? If not, take us into the nine K range, Kenny. Nine K range is going to be Spieth and it's going to be Cantley for me. They're going to be my two favorite plays. And I'm going to play a bunch of these nine K guys. If I'm not rostering anyone, but Rory, I haven't decided yet once again. Um, But you know, I, my favorite two would be Spieth and Cantley and Spieth coming up with three top sixes in, in his last five or six events. His iron game has been fucking exceptional. 
Uh, and it looked like he found his putter a little bit the last time he was out, gaining almost five strokes with his putter. Of course, his putter has been a problem. We're getting back to Bent. Bent is by far his favorite favorite um, uh, grass to putt on. Uh, it is his best to putt on. So everything's sort of lining up for Spieth. I bet him at 16 to 1. Um, and then, you know, you got that whole Easter narrative, too. I mean, he's won the last two years on Easter Sunday. Uh, and so, you know, maybe he's got a deal uh, with, you know, Tommy Fleetwood to, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> to, to, to get his Easter Sunday victories uh, out there for him. Canley, I think, is on the verge of a major. Uh, I think, he, you know, uh, for all the guys who haven't won a major yet, I think he is the closest next one. Um, and, you know, his demeanor, uh, you never really getting too flummoxed out there on the course can really be helpful. It also makes him boring as fuck, but it could be helpful, um, you know, in an event like this. Of course, he's been playing good golf, top finishes. It's all lining up for Patrick Cantlay. Uh, I think at some point in time, this year, I think he wins a major. Um, I, I couldn't bet both of them just because, I, I, like I said, I don't want to overextend myself on my card. So I took Spieth. But both of those guys, those are my two favorites in the 9K range. But I'm going to play a bunch. Tampa. Yeah, I mean, there's more interesting stuff in this range if you look at it from, you know, just a totally different perspective. Obviously, Speed shows up for good reasons. One interesting thing on Speed, Kenny, you talk about, you know, the thing with Rory, like, or I brought it up too, like other people have mentioned about the backdoor thing, the miscut, all that. Like, you go look at Speed, miscut, then he had the third, but before that, the 46th, the 21st, the 11th, like there's a chance at 9,700 that he's the guy that doesn't come through. You got to think he gets the ownership here. So I like you going a little bit below with Cantlay. Now, Cantlay always gets ownership at any tournament. So he's going to be popular too. We'll get there. I kind of like the guys above and below. I like Cam Smith. I said it since the start of the year. I actually picked him in our mail draft that we did as one of my six picks because I said this would be the spot I'd want to have Matt. I the Live Orlando thing, like I don't care. The guy put up like a 68, 69, 71. It's not the same course. It's not the same feel. He was pretty well, he outspoken. Had, I think he had five birdies in his first eight holes today. The guy, it's Cam Smith. Like I, yeah. I literally have no problem. Like anyone who has a problem with it, it's the guy that took down Rory at the open just last year. I, I the won the players last year. I just don't think that goes away. And he's always been this guy that just goes out and sort of does his thing, started to pick it up. I, I don't see there's any reason that you don't go back to him here. For me, he still pops. Everything else still looks good in his history. Third, 10th, second, 51st, fifth. Like that to me is more consistent. And don't you think he comes in lower own than Jordan Speed? Who are we talking about? Uh, Cam Smith. Cam Smith. Uh, Cam, at 9,800. Uh, he's I like I think Cam will still get ownership. I don't know, man. I don't know about these little guys, especially DJ and Cam. I think the lower price ones might garner, might might get steamed up uh, for, we'll for ownership. I'm gonna keep I, don't an know, eye on it. I don't know about the higher price ones. I don't know. I just think that's the thing. Speed, like Speed has to get it. Cantlay always gets it. So I just think it's on them. Another guy I like here quite a bit actually is Justin Thomas. Like I said, you know, this is the interesting factor for me. Like last year, the Rory thing. Last year, nobody wanted him. Again, it matters what they did leading in. I get all that. I've been doing this a little while. I understand it. I'm saying, but I do look at that. Like last year, nobody wanted anything to do with Rory 10% in the in this tournament, which is already a smaller field. Everything we talked about this year, he's going to be 20 to 25, even higher in high stakes, probably. Interesting. You go down to JT last year, everybody wanted him pushing 30, 35% in the higher stakes stuff. What really changed? And you go look at it. He still came eighth. It's not like he had a bad season last year or, or a bad result here. He's coming in, uh, you know, not the best form, but in general, 9,300 is a pretty fair price where we'd usually be okay with a guy like Justin Thomas. And then Morikawa, 
Yeah, Powell interests me. Year. He's probably my third favorite play. Yeah, fifth uh, last year, 18th the year before that, 44th the year before that. He makes some sense. And then even Xander, boom bust, right? He's got the, you know, miscut last year, but before that third, 17th the year before that, before that second. The guy, I don't know, man. I, I think Xander can't lay the, you know, always talked about them being best friends and we know it, right? We see them out with their wives, whiny, wineries, things like that, all that stuff. But I would it surprise you if Xander wins the major before Cantlay or can't, you know, either one of them, like you said, yeah. you talk about Cantlay being prime. It's not going to be both there. They're both there. So uh, again, I don't know how many people are going to go there. Usually Xander gets ownership too, but it's not just an ownership game. I'm just talking about the guys I like. These are the guys that stand out for me. So uh, Xander, Kawa, JT, uh, Cam Smith, and then look between Spieth and Cantlay. I'm not sure where I'll go, but just in general, first look again, doesn't mean I want to play all of them by the time it comes around on Wednesday. But right now, that's just some notes on some of the guys in this range. Any thoughts on Homa? I think he's going to definitely go overlooked because of his major He's going to go overlooked. You could take the risk. I mean, you know, he's not fared well here in the past, but it's not the player he was when he played in those events. Uh, You know, so can he come in here and do his thing? Yes. If he's going to be single-digit ownership, it's something to look at. You know what I'm saying? I I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to be playing a lot of these guys in the 9K range, if I'm only going to be playing 20% Rory, and that's it. I could play six of these guys at between 40 and 20% and still be able to make my 50 lineups for this week and be fine. De- definitely um, something that's spinning through my mind when you say it like yeah. that, because that's kind of the thing, too. Like, if I could, you know, be comfortable being off a guy like Rory, which I just talked about because his ownership got all pumped. Obviously, we know how good he can be here, but just in general, I'm saying if you could get comfortable with that and it gets you to be able to get more of these guys down here, and even going like underweight on speed because you don't love it or something like that. You could, you could definitely set up where you get more of like the JTs, but then, you know, cow is an X that I love, but then you get a guy like Homa that you can slide in because it's like, just take the shot. Obviously he's a way different golfer now than he has been in the past. And the only thing next for him to do is to win a major. He's won big boy events. These have not been small time events that he's going on and winning. Like a guy that we'll get to in this 8k range in a second is Sam Burns. He won the match play. That was his first big boy event. He he won great event like the Val like those are Valspar's tough tournament, but strength of field, everything wasn't elevated at the time, like nothing like that. That would have been a big deal at the time where those are still huge. It's tough to win on the tour, but just to bring it up, like Homa has won big boy events. Uh, you know they they've been big time things. So uh, the next thing for him is definitely to get a major and get the job done, as it is for a lot of these guys we're going to talk about. But just in general, if nobody's going to play him, at least that would intrigue me some. He would fit into s- sort of that top 25 guys that I'd be interested in at this tournament if making a 25-man player pool. Yeah, let's move to this 8K range. I mean, the thing is, I'm not the biggest fan. I, I like a few golfers, a couple in cash. First off, Tony Finau, uh, one of my favorite plays this week. He's going to be my second cash game cornerstone. And, and if you notice, I'm definitely going more balanced in my cash game cornerstones, and I said I would do that for these elevated events, and that's how I'm going to go. Uh, for events like last week, I was definitely top-heavy with three guys over $8,800. I think that's still the way I'm going to go for those type of events the non-elevated events still go with like three, you know, guys, top three guys, top notch guys uh, in those type fields and then a punt uh, for, for this week and for elevated events, I'm going to go balanced, uh, not no real punt play. Uh, and so my second cash game cornerstone is Tony Fee now, uh, you know, you know, the thing about Tony is he's really hadn't had his, a game it's probably been a c plus game but he's you know top 25 every event since the fall uh the one thing that has been consistent 
about his game is that elite iron play. He's been gaining three strokes or more with his irons in like five, six, in his five or six last events. Uh, so that is the one thing that, you know, you can keep coming back to a Tony that you know is going to be elite. Uh, and I think at some point in time, a major is going to come for him. And he got that monkey off his back uh, when he won, um, you know, that that playoff event. And people sort of gave him shit last year for winning those two events that were sort of weak fields, like the 3M and the Detroit. But people forget he won a Northern Trust, you know, just a few months before that uh, in one of the best fields uh, of the year. Uh, so... I'm not too worried about that. I really like the way Tony's playing. I think at some point in time, I think he's gearing up for these majors. Uh, and the way his iron game has looked, I, I'm a big fan of him. I bet him 25 to 1. He's my second cash game cornerstone. Uh, that's how I'm going to go uh, about that. My third cash game cornerstone is once again in this 8K range. It's going to be Sungjae. Um, it's going to be Sungjae M at $8,100. The course history is there. He's been playing good golf the whole year. I mean, at that price, uh, really, uh, it feels like a steal. One of the best par five players in this field in the last 50 rounds. So you can get that scoring on those par fives. And once again, I'm going balanced uh, in these type of events, uh, these elevated events and majors. That's the way I'm going to go in cash. And then for uh, the non-elevated events, I'll go top heavy with a punt. Uh, now, if you're just looking for other golfers, I really like Cam Young. Uh, he's the one guy that I'm going to play a lot of in this AK range. Uh, he showed me a lot at that match play. The one thing he showed me a lot of was his short game looked really good. If you could bring that short game back that he had at the match play to go along with his length. And then he gained almost 10 strokes with his irons at the match play. Technically, it's, you couldn't really get the exact number uh, because of like skipped holes and stuff like that. But I, I forget who had the number, but it was he gained like 9.6 strokes with his irons uh, at the match play. Uh, his driver, he could bomb it. He has that right to left shot shape, which really helps uh, golfers at Augusta. There's so many dog legs left um, off the tee. Uh, yeah, I, I like him a lot. I bet him at 45 to 1. I bet Sungjae at 40 to 1. I bet Tony at 25 to 1. So this 8K range is where all my bets are, uh, basically. Tam, who do you like? Yeah, I like a lot of what you said there. There's a few guys that stand out in this range. The Finau one, yeah, I think it's going to, you know, always gets love. We got Best Buy pricing, but man, he just makes so much sense here. The stats line up. You talked about everything we said in the previous range about, like you, you mentioned, guys getting these signature wins or finding something like Zal Torres got his signature, but I know there's injury scares there, but things like that. Get Got the W at a big time event, a playoff event. All that stuff is why it feels like these guys could do it, but then you can only get after so many guys in there. I love your Sungjae call. Two of the last few years, obviously crushed here. It makes perfect sense for him. Stats line up. It's just a solid run that he's had here. And then Hideki, I wanted to bring up because he kind of showed something today. Like I know they said his neck was sore again on Saturday, but since they mentioned it, he still came through. The one thing I will say, again, watching the stuff, I, I go off that quite a bit. You know, just watching him, it looks like almost like, you know, when you, you do get a little kink in your neck or something and you're driving and you got to do like the old, like you can't really look to do your check because your neck's sore. Him reaching down to get the ball out of the hole looked really tight, like to go down and get it. So we'll keep an eye on it. I'm not a big injury guy. I'll play him either way. Like, who cares? We'll never know. But it is interesting just to note, like to keep an eye on because it definitely looks like it's still bothering him. So uh, Jason Day talked about having the ticket on him already. But the two guys I want to talk about that at least stand out for me as interesting plays. One, I don't know what the ownership will actually do, but Dustin Johnson, look, you don't got to be spiteful on live versus PGA tour. 
when you're just that fucking good at golf and that good at this course. 12th miscut, the win, second, 10th, 4, 6. People say, oh, but this is totally different now. He's not just the guy played fine at Live Orlando. I just think, again, he knows he can just show up. And at a tournament like this, at a course like this, with a setup like this, everything, you have to play very good for four days. And that's something that Dustin Johnson is very good. And the one thing is, the one time he won was in the fall. Weather was cold. We're looking at sub-60 temperatures at Augusta on Saturday and Sunday. Maybe something there. That could be something else, too. Again, I don't know how his ownership will go, but I was sure this is the quick conversation, Kenny. Like, Finau always gets love. He's 8,900. His history is great. PGA Tour stats, fantasy national models, things like that that people are going to be looking at that make sense. He's going to pop. Jason Day, look at the run he's been on. The guy's playing incredible golf right now. It hasn't stopped. I don't think anyone's taken the the allergy thing into effect. I know people thought it was his vertigo was back. It was allergies. He took some medication is what it is. Uh, but DJ is squeezed right in the middle yet. Everyone seems to say, and no, he's just too cheap. Like he's 8,800 bucks for that kind of history and who he is and can just show up. So how do you think the ownership fares on those guys? And then of course, Cam Young, you talked about him coming in off that second place at the match play. No, it's totally different, but still, how do you think the ownership fares on these four guys from 8,600 to 8,900? I got no, I know Finau is going to get love, but the thing is, you know, we'll see it because like you said, his current form, he's getting top 25s, but they're like 19 to 25. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Not many top tens, you know, not, not no top fives. So people might be a little bit wary, but I mean, just, just the way he's striking the ball. I mean, give me Tony on that one. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not an ownership group. I know Day's going to be popular, but he's a fan. I can't get on board with Jason Day with Cam Young and DJ and Finau around him. Um, I just can't do it. I think the big question mark is is will is Willie Z going to be the lowest owned? Probably yes. In this I, I think Sam Burns. I think Sam Burns. Even though Sam Burns is coming off that win in the match play, same thing can be said versus him versus Cam Young for that. But I want to talk about Hovland in a second. I know we're just talking to everyone because it's first look. But like, yeah, we like we know the guys we like. But the ownership question is, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick. Salatoris Fitzpatrick always seems to get a little of two, by the way. So I think any guy, you know, won a major last season, talk about getting a, a monkey off your back. That's a guy that did so. So I don't know if he'll be the lowest. What, what do you think on Sam Burns? Because Sam Burns did well at the Valspar where he wins last two years before this and comes sixth now, third year, you know, running after the two wins and then wins the match plays. But, but where does his ownership go? I think he'll be more popular than Salatoris. I yeah. think. I don't know. I'm not an ownership guru. No, of uh, course, so, yeah. I get it, but Zalatoris, just of note, was still almost 15% here last year. He came sixth. His history yeah, is but I mean, he's years, playing but just... horrible right now, you know what I'm saying? And the thing is, like, I talked about this last week. I talked about this on some podcast. I don't remember which one, about, you know, his swing change. And mm-hmm. he, he changed his swing because he got injured, and he didn't want to keep getting injured. I mean, people who go through drastic swing changes like that, it, it sometimes it takes, like, I mean, even Tiger, when he went through his swing change in the early 2000s, he didn't win for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I, uh, it's tough for me to get on board with that. But if he's like 8% owned, it would be super tempting to just get 20% and be two and a half times the field. I don't know if I'm there. Uh, I, really I'm not sure. It's really cheap for Zell. But it's yeah, super I hear what you're cheap, saying for sure. But like, I, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but let's move on to the 7K range. I'll well, go one more guy. One more guy. Ahead. I want to talk about Hovland. Okay. Because the only, the only thing I wanted to talk about is just, you know, look at him. Everyone's going to write him off because of course history and stuff like that. But like 27th, 21st, we talk about this all the time. 32nd, like he's one or two strokes away. You could say it for anybody of being right in the mix. The guy's been in Butler cabin, low am before he, you know, he at least has a taste 
But I, I just think about him all the time, and people always compare him to like a young Rory and stuff like that. And even before the, the recent result, he was third, 10th, 20th, 13th. They're all in the mix. Yeah. And the guy does fit a lot of the stuff that goes. If he's going to be on their own, he might be the playovers out Taurus. He's 8,500, man. Like, yeah, yeah. That to me is a just, I don't know. I know the around the green game stuff and everything that people will talk about, but man, it's, it's tempting as well for tournaments. Like something like those big higher dollar or sorry, a uh, smaller dollar, like $15, or even the hundred dollar millimaker with these large fields. These are the types of plays like would it's not going to, I know that anyone would say anything to this, but like wouldn't say anything to this, but it shouldn't surprise you if Hovland is in the mix on Sunday at the masters like that. That just honestly would not surprise me, even though it's the 27th, 21st and the 32nd. It's not going to surprise me if he was in the mix at all. So uh, I don't know. I think he's at least somewhat interesting, but we can move on. Let's go to the 7K range. A lot more stands to be made here. I think there's 30 guys or something. Maybe not even. Uh, 28 guys in this mm-hmm. range or 27 guys. Now it's down to 26 with Wise WD. But a lot of guys here to talk through. So who do you like in this range? Upper Yeah, my, my final cash game cornerstone is Corey Connors. I mean, shit. The guy just won the event this past week. He plays extremely well. Uh, he's been the chalk man before and dominated. Uh, I don't. The only reason you fade him is because of ownership, and I don't really care about ownership when it comes to cash. Uh, so I mean, it just makes too much sense uh, for him to be, you know, one of the cheapest guys in my cash lineup. So my my cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Roy McIlroy at ten thousand six hundred, Tony Finau at eight thousand nine hundred, Sung J M at eighty one hundred. Corey Connors at 7,600 still leaves you 14,800 to finish out the rest of your lineup. Now, granted, I do think those four guys are probably going to be four of the highest owned guys in the field. So if like, if you didn't want to play them in GBPs, I could totally understand that because there are other options uh, that are, you know, as good or maybe even better uh, in that price range. But when it comes to cash, these guys just seem locked for me. You see chalk hit a lot at these majors. Um, you're looking at a higher six to six percentage, especially for this type of an event with only about, um, you know, 60 guys rosterable, really, you know what I'm saying? And top 50 in ties. Uh, you know, you unless some crazy shit happens, six to six should be a lot higher. That's why I'm going balanced. That's why I like these four guys for my cash game cornerstones. Like another guy that I like in cash and in GBPs is Tommy Fleet Jesus. It's Sunday, it's Easter. He is going to rise. I, I could see him doing very, very well. He's coming off a runner up or a third place the last time he played. His course history here, always in the top 25. I like him. Uh, my favorite GBP play in his upper 7K range, probably Min Woo. Um, the reason I like Min Woo is because the way he talks about how he loves to be creative uh, on a course. He loves to be able to shape shots right to left, left to right. He has that in his game. Uh, he's like a sort of like a, a, a baby Asian Bubba Watson. You know what I'm saying? He's out there. He can go. He can make these shots, shape the shots, feel really comfortable. Shaping shots like that could really, really help when it's windy um, out there. He's coming off a top 15 at the Masters last year in his maiden voyage. I really like him. I don't. I, I didn't put the number down, but 66-1 six to one with eight places each way, um, I, can, I can get behind that bet. Who do you like in the top range? Yeah, uh, one one at the top right at, right at the beginning. I know a lot of people probably talk about Hatton. Hatton was really popular here last year, coming in off some pretty good results with a, like a, I forget what it was, a good result. The API, of course, like he always usually does. But 
Uh, coming in here still second, fourth, sixth. I mean, before this last event and, and the miscut this past weekend, uh, but he was already out at Augusta. People have seen him out there practicing stuff like that. He's interesting, but Shane Lowry at the same price, he's got better the last three years too. 25th, 21st, I think 15th or ninth. What, what was his last result? Thir third, sorry, last year. And then you look at just the stats and stuff like that around the greens, just what he does. I think he's definitely fine. Uh, a major champion in his own right. So I think you can go to him. And then you talked about the Saturday, the the ladies amateur watching that. And it was incredible stuff. Jenny Bay. And then you had Rose Zhang. Rose Zhang, Justin Rose. It's got to be some connection here. Obviously, the guy should have a green jacket, you'd think, by now. But just in general, the, the second places he's had. He talked about, man, I will say this. I saw a little tidbit before we hopped on tonight. He posted on his Twitter like this very serious video, the most serious I've ever seen him. No cheesy lines, no ice cream cones at the end of a commercial, not a single brand logo on his shirt, breaking down his greens books and taking it. He, he calls them instead of tidbits, he calls them nuggets. He takes his nuggets from all the years in his green books that he's played it 17, 18 times now. He said all the stuff he has lined up. And then our guy, Ron Kloss at PGA Splits 101 posted and quote tweeted it and said, He's also number one on these pure bent grass greens. That probably helps coming in here for a week like this. But in general, I'm waiting on the number. I'm seeing them around 70 right now. I actually have some interest. I don't think, you know, again, I'm not sure how many are going to pay attention to this, but the fact that he won already, he fits some of the trends. Usually you go through a bunch of the trends. If you guys don't check it out, you, you hype it up all the time. I love them both as well. Dave Tyndall does the trends piece. And then Ben Coley, of course, does his breakdown, his blurb on every player in the field. Got to check both those out. But in general, Rose would be someone that stands out for that reason. So I think Rose is interesting to me up here. You talked about Tommy Fleetwood, Corey Connors, just the chalk for good reason. But again, I think very seriously in your higher dollar, smaller field stuff about just, just taking a shot and hoping he's not the guy because there is 27 other guys in this range. You can play and hope that you get there. And this year, more than any other year, Kenny, the seven K's are the new six K's. I say it all the time. We're meaning you don't really have the six K guys turn into 15% chalk very often. When Corey Connors that year was 66 or 6,800, he was chalk, smashed. Remember that some of these old guys and, and other guys at the bottom that you mark off kind of makes sense. At 7,600, it's probably fine, but I would caution, think about that in your single entry stuff. And then last guy, the one that another live guy that I don't hear many talking about that I'll definitely take a shot on is Neiman. I, again, you go back to a guy that just had some decent wins on the PGA Tour. I think he's still talented. He's young. It's just a decision he made like the Cam Smith one, like the answer answer still winning DP world tour or whatever the, the one that he could go over to. I don't know if it was DP world tour, but the Saudi one where he went over and played with everybody. It was a very strong field and he still got the job done. That's all I'm saying with some of these guys, I would put Neiman into that same class as well. So I have interest in Neiman at 7,800 here. Are you playing Kepka? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, like I said, so I do want to talk about him for two seconds, actually, because last year, if you remember, no one was really playing him until like the, the last day before he got all this late steam and he ended up being almost 20% or just over 20% in the main tournament. This year, I had first said, everyone was saying on Saturday, like, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, on Saturday, oh, Brooks wins, he's going to be the chalk, but everyone else is like, well, you're an idiot if you play him. So then I thought maybe people actually won't click the button. But then when I looked at that, people look at his history and his records and majors and all that. Do people, do you think people talk themselves back into Brooks? Or do you think people think he's lower owned by a lot than Corey Connors? So they move on to him because of that. Or or just how do you see this playing out for Brooks Kepka? I know it's not about you being the ownership guru, just in general, thoughts on the Kepka factor, because we know the Corey Connors one. 
I, I don't have a good grasp on the on the Kepka side of things yet. Honestly, I think he could be the second highest owned in the seven K range. Okay. I think he could be the second highest owned in the seven K range behind Corey Connors. Yeah. Um, if I am right about that, it gives me pause, but I want to play him. I want to play him because I'm a Kepka fan. That could be part of it too. Could be biased, but I want to play him. Uh, so so we'll have to see when it comes down to ownership. I mean, he, he won this past weekend. Of course, it's, you know, like I said, the worry I have is when it comes down to Sundays, if he's in contention, I think it's a lot easier for these live guys to falter because they haven't been in that type of intense scrutiny type of position um, in a while. Well, one but he doesn't, thing, need, he doesn't need to win. Yeah. He's 7,600. He doesn't need to win. Give me a top 10 by him. You're going to be fine. I mean, it, it could be worth it. Two, two quick notes, then you can hit the lower 7K range One on, on that. is One, you made a good point. I tried to bring that up earlier. He doesn't need a win at 7,600. The second point is, is the Kepka factor? Is the, Actually, I'm the opposite on you on, on this guy. Is if he's one of the guys that's in the mix, like if you think he gets to Sunday being in the mix, you should want him in your lineups because I don't think he's going to falter. I think that's what he lives for. Pun, no pun intended there, but naturally just threw it in. But I think that's what he wants in the sense that he's fine. I don't think he's going to crumble under anything on a Sunday. I think if he's in the mix, it's going to be a great battle. And he could be the guy that we get the live versus PGA battle down the stretch. It wouldn't surprise me from that factor. So if you take it from that perspective, I actually think at least is a little bit more interesting or intriguing than maybe some of the other guys who I would agree with you on in that spot, Kenny. But I do think that's something to think about. And then start us off. we got Bryson DeChambeau down to the bottom, 7K, Russell Henley, Billy Horschel, Sergio, who are some of the guys in this lower 7K range that you want to go with here? I'm playing the two live guys here, Reed and Mito. Uh, like I said, you, we both saw they played pretty well this past week in Orlando. Uh, Liv just ha- uh, Reed just has this type of course history here where he knows how to play this course. His short game is still amazing. Uh, I'll play both of those guys at that price. But my favorite GBB play down here, and I normally don't aren't big on debutantes, but I really like Kitiyama. Uh, at $7,100. Uh, the reasoning is he's one of the best with the long irons in this field, okay? He can bomb the ball out there as well, and he's not afraid to take on the big boys. Uh, he won an elevated event prior uh, about a month ago. Uh, he came in second three times in the last, like, six months prior to that. The people he lost to were Rom, Rory, and Xander. You know what I'm saying? He lost by a stroke. I don't think playing with these top dudes is going to phase him at all. Uh, and he showed his worth winning that elevated event. Really like his long iron play. Really like the fact that he could pound it out a mile um, out there. You know, underrated um, around the green. Uh, well above average uh, around the green play, at least here recently in the last 50 rounds. Um, I like Kitayama as my favorite GPP play. I bet him at 150 to 1 a few weeks ago on a site that didn't have each ways. So I went ahead and also bet him top five at, uh, uh, at 20 to one, um, just to, just to get that each way thing going. Uh, so that's how much I like him this week. Tambo. Yeah. I like that call tournament wise again, debutantes, not the best, but in general, you have seen it out of some of the guys with the talent, like he has with the Wills Altors, the Sung J M's, the Cantlay's certain guys that you've seen come up in the past and have, Good stars. It wasn't Cantley. It was somebody else. I forget. But Sungjae, Will Zalatoris are two that came to mind. And then going to the other guys here, there's not actually that much that I like. I know I'll be on with Mayo on Wednesday. We're going to talk about Siwoo, I'm sure. I know he liked Minwoo, who you talked about earlier. Um, Patrick Reed. So, so the, the, the live guys that stand out for me here are the two you said, Reed and Mito. 
because again, they don't need to do it all. I could definitely see Reed being in the mix. He is one of the spiteful guys that would want to make it happen. And regardless of what he's been up to, I think it's definitely possible. His history is very good here. Stuff lines up, obviously a, a past champion, everything that goes with it, but also Louie. Louis stands out to me too at 7,200. Uh, again, I don't know how you feel about that one, but I think he's at least interesting. I like the Kitayama call. And then got to talk about Tiger. I actually think I'm going to play some. Again, the price is just really cheap, man. 7,300. Guy with actual, I think, unlike the longer and the couples and that sort of stuff, like he was still hitting every shot out. Last time we saw him, he had it all in the bag. He right. knows this course like the back of his hand. Obviously, incredible history in his own right here. We know who it is, so... Man, it would not surprise me again if he's in the mix. I'm not going crazy, but this is not my favorite play. I'm just saying the, the discussion of people want to know, are people playing Tiger or not? I don't know, but I think I am. So are, do you have a take on Tiger? Are you in? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of options when it comes to Tiger. I mean, what we saw from the Genesis is he could hit every shot. Even on, he could hit every shot. Now, uh, it's 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 pain tolerance that he has to be able to deal with. And now, Nota Begay did say on uh, some show that he talked to Tiger and what Tiger learned from his experience at the Genesis is how to control uh, leading up all the, all the work that he has leading up to the event, maybe not go so hard. So he has fresher legs on the weekend. Um, and maybe that's something we'll see from him um, this, this week. I, I'm going to play him because I think he has all his shots. The worry I have, of course, is the walk at Augusta is one of the hardest walks on tour. Um, you know, basically the course is like, uh, you know, going up down hills. Uh, 18, you hit your drive down to the bottom of the valley. You can't even see the top of the flagstick uh, that you're aiming at, uh, you know, because you got to walk straight up that hill. So that's a little bit worried about that walk. But if he can tolerate the pain, if he's done what he had to do and not overdid it beforehand, he still has all the shots in his bag uh, to, to, to throw in a top 20. At this event, I, I would not be shocked to see that. Yeah, one uh, other thing, just that you mm -hmm. you maybe think of if the colder weather, the the potential of delays. That's I'm the worry too. That stuff as well too, just because that does make me think about it. And then before yeah. you take over the six K range, because we don't have much with bets and one, and we'll do that quick at the end. But uh, one more guy I'll mention, Russell Henley. Uh, he does pop for me and everything. We know what it could be. Obviously, he had a 31st year last year, didn't play it a bunch of the years before that. He didn't make it in. But before that, he had a pretty decent history here. Georgia dog, we talk about it all the time. But then also, Kenny, you and I did mention this after the match play. He played really good at the match play for the most part. I mean, but he ran into a really tough pod. And so it just didn't work out for him from that sense. But I don't think he's playing bad. So uh, I think he's at least somewhat interesting. And last year, he was almost 20% owned at this tournament this year. I don't know if anybody's going to be on him. So I, I think Henley is pretty interesting down at the very bottom, right at 7K even. Yeah, a low play flyer. I like that. Coming right, in two top to, 20s as well. Yeah, let's go to the 6K range. I mean, there's a few plays here. Um, I mean, the two non-live guys that I'm looking at are Ryan Fox. Uh, I know he didn't play this well this past week, which is sort of good because it should keep his ownership down. But the guy's like top 50 in the world, you know. Uh, he's long off the tee, uh, you know, really good on longer par fours. Uh, I, I like his game. I think it suits Augusta. Uh, so so give me a little bit of Ryan Fox. Danny Willett's sort of come up a little bit. I mean, you know, he almost won that event that Homer won. Uh, what was it? Back in the fall, he's had some decent finishes. Uh, former winner here. I can get by that. And then I like the live guys. Uh, I'll play Gooch, who finished, what, top 10 here last year. Uh, he's had a couple of decent finishes over on the Live Tour. Uh, and I, I like um, Pokrak and Schwartzel. 
down there, down below. Guys who are proven winners. Schwartzel, uh, a defender, a former Masters champion. Uh, Schwartzel's won a live event. Tokrak's been up there. I think he was top 15 uh, in Orlando. Uh, and you got to think about the way his game suits up. He's long. He plays long par four as well. Um, you know, I like those guys as cheap options. The cheaper the live guys are, the more I like them. Well, I was trying to see what Phil did this week. He threw up a 67 on the final round, but man, he, he's been having a rough time over there. Good thing he got paid a lot of money up front or whatever it was, because it's been a tough scene for him. But yeah, it's funny. All the guys that pop are like live guys. Like I see, like I said, you talk about Kevin Nod, his history is not my favorite, but just noting it. Uh, Harold Varner still pops. He actually had a pretty good week this past week. And by the way, last year, 23rd on his first try at this tournament, talk about longer par fours, things like that. I definitely think, He's at least somewhat interesting. I think Hoagie is going to pop for people because the models and the approach play and all the stuff, the stats look really good. And then I'll look at some of the other guys, but I, I just don't know. Like Cam Champ has a pretty good history here, which is surprising. Been playing absolutely horrible lately. Uh, Kokrak, who you mentioned, definitely long enough, strong enough, things that you could put in with him. And then if you want to play like some of the grinders like Harmon or Norrin, I just don't know, man. Like it's tough. So I like some of the other guys there. I think I'll be staying out of this range for the most part, like I said, with those, even those double 10K lineups with like a Rom Rory, I actually don't need to go into here at all. But if I just picked a guy and went in here, I would only need one and I'd still be able to make a bunch of those guys in that 7K range work. So not something, uh, not at least as of now, check back Wednesday, but I don't see a bunch down here that I love as of right now. All right, so let's go bets. I'll go first. Uh, my betting card starts off with Jordan Spieth at 16 to 1. Um, I had a 25 to one on Tony Fina. You can actually still get that number. Uh, I, I, I took that number in January. Um, Sung JM 40 to one. I took in January. Um, Cam Young 45 to one. I took like a month ago. Uh, I think actually, I think I took during the match play match play, like second or third round. He was, I, I took him at 45 to one and then Kitayama 150 to one uh, with a top five at 20 to one. Yeah. You got a full card. I like that. I have nothing. I have Jason day at 80 with the top five. I'm going to wait for tomorrow. See what pops up. I just didn't see a lot. I know people got on Homa. I know people got Minwoo. I know people took a bunch of these guys and I get it and they're fine. And it's good to have. I just, I didn't get there. So I'm stuck on day. I'm going to leave it. I'm definitely betting Rose. I not the, the Rose Zhang narrative. That's just funny to go with it. They literally gave her a Rose on 18 or I, I guess whatever, I forget what hole they ended on. Cause it went to the playoff, but yeah. back and forth and Jenny tried to hit that shot out of the pine straw underneath, which just couldn't get it done, but it was a great event to watch. Nice to see the course a week early, some incredible golf. You guys haven't checked that out. Definitely something that I like watching at least. So going from there, I'll see what I have, but I'll have the final bets on the Mayo show on Wednesday. I don't have anything else, Kenny for this week, one and done. Spieth or Finau? Probably Finau, just to be different. Yeah, I might. Uh, Spieth, probably. But, uh, you know, if you've got Rory, Scheffler, those guys, again, a lot of money here. So uh, what's funny, though, is I do think for some reason, maybe I'm wrong on this. I didn't fully check it. But I think the RBC Heritage pays more than the Masters this year yeah. because the, the de it's a designated event. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're saving for what, but we know course history is big. I'd be fine just Rory, Spieth, whoever you DJ, whatever. Like The other thing is the lip factor. Should note that real quick. If you want to use DJ, here's a good spot. Like you could use them at US Open too, but I'm just saying, like, this is definitely a spot to be different when most are going to be going Spieth, Rory, but Cam Smith is an option. So, however you feel about it, I definitely think it's a good idea. I think a lot of people will use a live guy 
for the strategy stuff in the one and done. It's the only real shot outside the other three majors. So interesting note there. All right. Sounds good. You can find me on Twitter at Kendo VT. You can find my article on gupscorner.com. Probably have it out tomorrow uh, with the course preview and the stats to look for. Uh, Wednesday, I should be on the E9 podcast uh, with Gup. Uh, it's a members only podcast. Uh, and then Wednesday, I also have my final betting card, uh, any changes to my cash game cornerstones, and uh, my favorite GPP plays. And use yeah. promo code Kenny. Uh, save yourself 30% on a membership to Gup's Corner. Tamil. Yeah, keep an eye on that weather. We'll be talking about it. I know that'll come up. I don't see anything like right now, like heavy wave advantage or something. I'm not talking about that, just in general, of how it may affect the play on the course. And that's a bigger factor. So Mayo and I will talk about that for sure. We'll have final ownership, exposures, things like that. We go throughout building some lineups, just seeing what we think the public is going to do, what most people are going to do, and what we could do as ways to get different roster construction, all that fun stuff. That's a free show right here on the Mayo Media Network. Do us a favor, hit us up with those comments in the chat. Hit the like button. We're trying to get 300 likes, 300 comments. Let us know your top play over 9k this week if you could only pick one your winner over 9k if you think that's going to be it who's your winner over 9k in the comments give us any other comment that you want any feedback that you have and then of course as always follow me on twitter at toe tag and tambo you can find the tidbits there the free tambo's tidbits every week if you want to see what they look like and you've never seen them hashtag tambo's tidbits you can find them out there basically just curating all the good free stuff from around the industry and this week there is a ton of content so they're always action-packed for the masters probably do another giveaway with that we'll we'll talk about it more with mayo on wednesday for a free week retweet or whatever is all you got to do to be entered into the draw but we'll talk about that on wednesday that's all i got for this week kenny excited yeah. for the masters yeah. my friend definitely also i was on the mayo the first masters preview show that mayo did with me and ben raza uh so go check that out on the mayo media network uh, we did that last wednesday went over the majority of the field uh pretty good info on that so it's Masters Week. It's going to be fun. Sorry about the two-hour fucking pop, but deal with it. It's Augusta. This is how we're going to fucking roll. Let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfer. Stacking penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up with the words. I done popped the molly and I think it's be my third. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.